Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I have my new friend, Katie Snyder, here with us. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on the Boca Podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and we're going to get into yet another uh, unique topic today, something that we really haven't covered, at least in detail, on the Boca Podcast, how to build a team of photographers. And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. But as we've been doing now for a little while, I like to get our podcast started with a value add for our listeners. You know, for whatever reason, they have to turn the podcast off after a few minutes, they still walk away with something. And um, so I, I've begun calling this the aha moment. And I'm really curious from, to hear from you, Katie, what aha moment you might have experienced in your business that, that made a big difference that kind of helped push it forward. Sure. Um, yeah, I love this question. I think for me, my biggest aha moment was probably realizing that I didn't have to do everything myself. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on this a bit later as well. But um, for, for many years, you know, I, I was trying to do it all. You know, it's, it's overwhelming starting a business and you think, I want to be a photographer and you don't realize that means, okay, I have to figure out how to do taxes and build a website and set up a bank account and edit photos and, you know, all of these things. And so I think for a long time I was just drowning in all of that. And so, yeah, figuring out how to delegate certain tasks and yeah, do the things that I cared the most about. That was really freeing for me, for sure. Oh, I, I love that we're starting off with this. This is, <laughs> I always get excited when I hear a photographer's realize this, this idea, this fact, and how big a difference it can make in their business. And of course, I'm a little bit biased. My, my company, <laughs> Photographer's Edit, is about taking work from photographers so they don't have to do it and they can go do other things that are more important to their business and to their life. Um, but, but this is a significant realization. And, and it does, and, and I mean, I've even experienced this as an owner of Photographer's Edit, learning to, to let go a bit, not feeling like I, everything has to be done exactly the way that I would do it in order to move my business forward. That's a really significant realization. Would you say that there were certain things that happened in your business that helped you realize that you could let go? To be completely honest, I think it came from a point of desperation for me yeah. um, and just feeling like I may have said completely overwhelmed, you know? And so certainly I, you know, I, I hope for other people that they'll realize it before they get to that point. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just feeling like, okay, I cannot keep doing all of these things. Something has to go. Um, so yeah, as absolutely, as you said, photographers edit has been a huge help for me because um, I, and I've heard so many people say to me, like, how do you, how do you let go of that? You know? And it, it does at times it feels like, you know, I, I can't imagine not having a personal touch on that, so to speak. Um, but once you do it, it's like the realization of like, 
oh man, like I have so much other time to do these other things. You know, it's really, it's really fantastic. And, and I have to play devil's advocate in this case because some photographers are going to say, well, Katie, how do you maintain your artistry if you're handing that editing work over to somebody else to do? What, what would you say in response to that? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one and I'm sure it would be different for, for every person. Um, for me, I guess I'm a little unique from some people. I got my start actually studying film in college. And so in that aspect, editing wasn't actually, you know, a huge part of that process. I mean, sure, we spent tons of time in the darkroom, but you pretty much with film, you know, you pretty much have to nail the exposure and camera. And so that to me, you know, is such an important part of photography that, um, you know, the editing, I guess, doesn't play a huge role at that point. That totally makes, sense. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad, too, that you made the point that it's going to differ. The circumstances are going to differ for different photographers. Of course, different perspectives, sure. different experiences in business and life are going to kind of lend uh, it, themselves to the, the, the creation of, of the, the mentality behind all of this. But ultimately, at the, at the end of the day, whatever the motivation, uh, and like you said, hopefully the motivation is not absolute, just like being at your, your wit's end. Hopefully photographers right. are able to, to realize the significant difference that delegation of whatever it is, it doesn't just have to be editing. And for exactly. that matter, it doesn't even have to be photographers edit. We, we are a solution in the industry offering custom editing for wedding and portrait photographers. That's great. But at the end of the day, the, the company is about saving photographers time. And I am stoked to hear photographers delegating, whether it's editing work or accounting work or album design work or whatever it might be to somebody else so that they can right. save time. And, and ideally, that time, at least part of that time, is utilized in building personal relationships, um, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's one of the few things that we all have in common that makes such a, a massive difference in our life. And I think those relationships are a little bit more important than sitting behind a computer for hours on the end. So um, I, I'm Absolutely. glad that you started us off with, with that point. <laughs> this is really, really good to hear um, from one of our guests. And I, I mentioned to you before I hit the record button, I, I kind of... Um, got in, in state of mind, frame of mind for our conversation um, leading up to this this podcast interview today by listening to music by um, your husband, Dan Snyder, who's uh, started the band Paper Lights. Yes. And um, it was actually the, the song that I particularly loved. Um, and I think we're going to actually play this at the end of our, our conversation today is called We Are a Lot Like Trees. Uh, I love that. Absolutely beautiful song. And so you guys make sure you go to Spotify and, and check out uh, Dan's music. And, and Dan's uh, partner in the band, what, what is his name? Yes, Josh. Josh Stewart. Josh. Okay. So Dan, Dan and Josh, Paper Lights Music. Um, you, can, you can find them at paperlightsmusic.com as well. But check them out on Spotify. Mm-hmm. It's really, really beautiful. But we are, I was just talking about relationships uh, and making uh-huh. time for relationships. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what a day-to-day looks like, um, what life with your husband looks like, and what you guys like to do with your free time. Yeah, well, thanks so much for checking that out. That's really cool. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, he is a he's a full-time musician, and not to harp on this too much, but he would probably say that he would appreciate <laughs> photographers that it service more than more than me even because he spent years doing all of our editing. Oh wow. And so, yeah, fun fact. So, he started that out, oh gosh, 12 years ago or so and was doing all the editing, but so to speak that was taking away from his first love which was music, you know. Right. So, so yeah, as we kind of um 
made this life shift for both of us. Um, he decided a couple years ago, he had, he had played for several different artists and he decided, um, he was going to start touring full time with his band. And, and I wanted to be available to, to travel with them. Um, you know, with weddings, you know, I'm already getting inquiries for, you know, winter of next year. So, so that was a big step of, of thinking, okay, I've got to figure out how to, you know, be available to that. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that later, but, but yeah, so the day to day, we did something kind of crazy this year. Um, we spent seven weeks, uh, traveling the country in our sprinter van. Um, no way. <laughs> yeah. With, with a couple other people. So Josh from the band was there. We also brought a videographer to document the whole thing. Um, and they were actually working on their next album. Um, and so, yeah, you know, May and June, that's a really busy time for, for wedding photographers. And, and I was actually lucky enough to be, to be traveling the country and, and running a business from the road. So that's so um, cool. So <laughs> you said this was documented. Is there somewhere that our listeners can go and, and see that documentary? Not yet. Okay. So we're still in the process of that. We actually just got home um, a couple months ago, I guess, at this point, and they're still working on the album. And then we'll be uh, working on we hope to do um, a short film at some point and, um, you know, touch on a few different subjects. But one of those is just being, you know, the life of an artist and the crazy things that you do and and how you make it work and, and that sort of thing. I love that. Now, how long have you guys been married, you and Dan? Uh, we've been married 12 years. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so aside from the, the seven weeks on the road, which is just, that's that's huge. That's, and I love the fact that, again, you've created this lifestyle, very proactively created this lifestyle for yourself that enables you to have that kind of freedom and flexibility to go on the road for that extended period of time. But when you're home, what, is, what does a day-to-day look like for you? Yeah, so it's different every day. There's a lot of office work, obviously. So I... I think we're going to talk about this, but I do have a team of photographers. And so keeping everybody organized and uh, making sure, you know, our clients are happy, but also our photographers know, you know, what's going on and, and where they're supposed to be and uploading photos and calling photos. So, yeah, that's sort of my day to day in my spare time, if you can call it that. I'm I'm also writing a book about creativity and no I just way. I just committed to a writing class where I'm supposed to have my first draft finished in a hundred days. Um, <laughs> so that, that's going to be a little overwhelming, but yeah, so just letting myself kind of explore some, some different passions that I have at the moment. Okay. Now do you have, have you put a website together for this book yet? Is, is there a place that people can go and sign up and, and find out when the book comes out? Not yet, sadly, no. <laughs> oh, well, I, regardless, but, this is not, really, really is an exciting project. Yeah. Is this something that maybe you'll be talking about on, on social media and your Instagram account? Yes, for sure, okay. for sure. And and eventually, we'll definitely update the blog to have more information about it. Okay, that's that's awesome. So if, if you guys, and we'll mention more links at the end uh, of this interview, but uh, if you guys go to Instagram.com slash Katie Snyder Photography, or you can just follow Katie Snyder Photography on your Instagram app, that's K-A-T-I-E-S-N-Y-D-E-R, and then photography. Uh, you can find Katie there on Instagram, and you can follow what she's doing. That's that's really exciting, though. What was the impetus for writing the book about creativity? Thank you. So honestly, 
um, because of what Dan and I do, I mean, we're both self-employed. We've both sort of, you know, paved our own path, so to speak, along the way. We get a lot of comments from people um, just saying things like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I could do something like that, you know, and honestly, a lot of regret. So I'm, I'm sort of basing the book on a theory that I have that actually everybody is is born creative. And there's a statistic out there that 85% of people are told as children that they're not creative. And so it's, like I said, it's just a theory that I have that, um, you know, we all could do creative things, and we all should. And I think it would bring a lot of joy to our life. And it, and that doesn't necessarily have to be our line of work. Um, You know, I know not everybody wants to be an artist, but but I think even in a lot of um, non-artistic fields of work, there's really creative ways of thinking about those Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of about that and, and hoping to encourage people if, if they've been scared to pursue something that they were really passionate about, um, you know, just hopefully to encourage them to start now. You know, it doesn't really matter your age or your circumstance, but um, just that you, that you tr- give it a try. That's beautiful. Well, that's that's really wonderful. And do keep us posted uh, about the launch of that book because um, I want to make sure our listeners can get access to it. And uh, that that's just really really exciting. And and kudos to you too for kind of pushing yourself beyond the creative space that you're most familiar with in photography, and then and actually trying to write a book. And I, I love that you're getting the kind of accountability and motivation through this class too that they're pushing you. Hey, you got to write this this much in this amount of time. My son, I have a 15 year old son. His name is Austin. And um, I, I've been blown away by the discipline that he has had in, in writing very, very consistently. He's, he's been somewhat oh, of a writer for, cool. for a while, but he'll, he'll jump into Evernote and, and just work away and add, you know, at least a little bit um, here and there. But I, and of course, I want to encourage that. So I may have to kind of pick your yes. brain on this um, after our conversation because that sounds really, really interesting. Sure. But No, I love that. And I love that you're encouraging that, you know, because I feel like a lot of times, and this is just an observation that I've seen, but I feel like parents are sometimes scared to encourage creative things, you know, because it's like, how are you going to pay your bills? And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do this? Instead of just really looking at this person and saying, like, you're really good at this, you know, and if you work hard enough, like, it, it's going to work out for you, you know. Um, so that's really cool that you're recognizing that in him, even at a young age. For sure. Well, I, I mean, I know that our parents encourage creativity, or I say our, my, my parents encourage creativity. <laughs> um, growing up, we were all musicians. Uh, I had three younger brothers. Uh, my parents were both musicians. Uh, we all oh, played cool. music. My, one of my brothers even has his doctorate now in violin. He's the assistant concert master of the Chattanooga Symphony. And, wow. and so this was something that we, we grew up with. But even getting into photography myself, professionally, there was still some apprehension on the part of my, my parents. And, um, Mm -hmm. so I think it's interesting to consider this, this point that you make, which, you know, some, some parents do get a bit nervous about the idea of their kids focusing (laughs) on, on art as a potential career or create some, Mm -hmm. some type of creative field as a potential, potential career. Um, I'm certainly stoked to see my son exploring that both my kids, actually, my, my daughter Addison is 12. Both of them are in music. And then Austin in particular uh, has been focusing on, on writing. So I'm excited to see where that goes for them because I know what it feels like to pursue a career that isn't necessarily, um, you know, hundred percent supported by everyone around you. Absolutely. And, um, I know the, the potential fulfillment uh, that can come from, 
from going that route. So anyway, yes, I, I love that so much. Well, and, and again, <laughs> kudos to you for, for exploring that yourself. And I'm excited to see where this, where this takes you. Now you mentioned being a wedding photographer, that is your specialty. That is your business's specialty. And we're going to get yes. into more, like you said, the, the dynamic of managing a team. And by the way, I should mention this too, or point this out. I love the way that you described your day to day and that you were overseeing your business. And this is something that mm. not enough sole proprietors in the photography industry um, try to establish the, a, a dynamic that they try to establish in their business, which is playing more a managerial role, overseeing the big picture and letting uh -huh. others help them do the day-to-day -day kind of busy work, if you will. And we talked about some uh -huh. of that earlier, the accounting, the editing and so forth. But it, it's it's so empowering. Um, I, I've certainly experienced this myself, um, more so as an editing company owner. But But, you know, even as a photographer, you can experience this wonderful empowerment that comes through overseeing your business, managing your business being, versus being kind of stuck in it and constantly reacting to it. Uh, I think it's a, a yes. much better mental space to be in and certainly proactively on a day-to-day -day basis to run your business in that way is, is wonderfully empowering and ultimately can help you create a much more sustainable business. So I'm glad that you, you made mention of that, but I'm curious to, to hear a little bit about how you got into wedding photography in the first place. Yeah, well... So I said earlier, I started in college and that was literally just on a whim. I um, grew up in a very small town in Northeast Tennessee and um, didn't have photography or many art classes at all in high school and had never thought of it as a career. Um, and a friend of mine one day, I had not declared a minor and you didn't have to at my school, but you know, it was encouraged. And a friend of mine was like, I'm going to go sign up for photography. And I was like, what? That's a class. Like that sounds so <laughs> fun, you know? And like, I didn't have a camera or anything. Um, and so, yeah, I declared it my minor and, uh, which was just six classes. And honestly, I struggled so much in those classes. It was, it was definition tests you know, which now I totally get it. Like you have to know what aperture is. Like I get it, you know? Sure. Um, <laughs> but at the time it was just, it was so overwhelming to me, but yeah, I started out in college and I, um, started shooting for my friends. And from the very start, I loved working with people. I didn't really understand landscapes. Um, you know, maybe it would be a little different answer now, but at the time, you know, I just thought, I am not inspired by this. This doesn't move. This doesn't have a personality. Doesn't you know, I you. Really... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I loved working with people and feeding off of their energy and, and especially, you know, two people. So like engagement pictures and, and wedding photos, it's like seeing how the two people interact and, and vibing off of that. Like, I love that from the start. Absolutely. And so, so in this small town, you know, people get married at a very young age. So I started shooting uh, my friend's weddings and, and just loved it. And what year and was really, this, by the way, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So let me think. I graduated college in 05. Okay. Um, and so I had started shooting for my friends before then. Um, but I guess in 06, I really made the push to, uh, spent a lot of time advertising and really trying to make a career in wedding photography. And at that point, my husband and I had moved down to Atlanta, where we are now. And so in June of 06, um, I quit my full-time job. I had just enough bookings to, you know, barely, barely cover my bills. And <laughs> 
<laughs> and in hindsight, it was probably a little early, but I was just so excited to just jump in and, and, and do it, you know? Oh, I can imagine. And yeah. And I think that first year I learned so much more than, you know, college or anything else that first year of being full-time because it was literally like, take every job you can get and just shoot, shoot, shoot as much as possible, you know? And so at the end of that year, I had just learned so much. It was incredible. Okay. So the reason I asked about the, the, the year, I guess that, that you had begun photographing is I, I also was a photographer from about 2001 until 2012, wedding photographer in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Chattanooga was quite a conservative town and stylistically when it came to photography, I mean, the, the, the traditional photography that was happening there was what you, you know, might've seen in your, your parents' wedding album. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and so there was a really great opportunity at the time to kind of turn that, that industry, um, on its head a little bit and, and bring something different to the table. And it, it, fortunately for, um, us at the time, it was really easy to create a business model that was distinct, or at least a, a photographic style that yeah. was distinct to the local, very conservative, traditional um, industry. Did you find that that was the case where you were as well? And did you did you end up kind of bringing that style to that local market? That's a great point. Um, I've never thought of it exactly like that. But um, yeah, you know, what I remember most, and this is just speaking from my own insecurity, but you know, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old at that time. And I'm going to these meetings with clients. And, um, I remember, you know, we would be sitting there and they would be, you know, maybe similar in age to me, or maybe just a few years older. And then their moms are sitting there, you know, and I just felt so nervous because I felt like they were looking at me like, we're not so sure about you. Like, we're not sure if you're first capable, but like, why are, you know, why are the bride and groom outside in the field? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Like I remember that being so revolutionary, like, you know, and, um, yeah, there was definitely some pushback from, from the older generations for sure. But yeah, there was a lot of excitement too. You know, it was, it was fun to see people getting really excited about their wedding photography and the potential of, of what it could be for sure. That's cool. Now you said you were working a full-time job at the time. What, what type of job were you, were you in? When I moved to Atlanta, I, uh, was doing temp work, just trying to find, you know, any kind of work, but I actually was, uh, running the office of, uh, Tivana corporate. So Tivana has now been bought by Starbucks, but I was their office manager. Wow. Yeah. So that was really, really cool experience and, uh, probably prepared me in more ways than I could have expected, you know, to, uh, to run a business down the road. I can imagine. Yeah. All the administrative tasks associated with that company, it had to be pretty significant, but having the perspective working in a place like that really had to be extremely valuable when it came to running your own photography business. That's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. It was a very cool experience. That's really interesting. So you started then, you made the push, you said back in 2006. So you've been in business now for over 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. you've, you've really made a concerted effort, and we've kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but you've made a concerted effort to create a business model that enables a free and flexible lifestyle. I mean, the, the idea of being able to go on the road for seven weeks is just, that sounds like an absolute dream. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure it sounds like a dream for for our listeners as well. Even even the idea of taking a week off, I think for a lot of our listeners, um, it's probably even overwhelming to consider because they're just thinking about all the backlog of work and the emails and so forth that they're going to have to come back to 
The idea of going right. to the extent of, you know, taking seven weeks off is huge. So, but you've created mm-hmm. this business model that enables you to do that. And I'm curious what, if we can maybe dive into a little bit more of the impetus for that effort to create this type of business model um, and mm-hmm. what that process looked like. Absolutely. So, and I, I did allude to this earlier as well. Um, the the drive to, to make this shift really for me did unfortunately come from my own burnout. Um, and just to go into that a little further, I... When I started out, again, I didn't have anybody telling me how to run a business. And so I just sort of dove in and um, I had no boundaries in my life. So I what that meant for me was, you know, I was working seven days a week. I, you know, obviously was shooting on the weekends and then the weeks were taken up, you know, trying to catch up from the shoots and, you know, long hours. You know, I, I have this distinct memory of you know, my husband saying, Hey, like, do you want to go out with these friends? And I'm like, no, like I have so much work to do. You know, how could I, how could I take a break for dinner? You know, like it sounds crazy, but like that was the life I was living. And, um, something happened right around the time I turned 30, you know, a lot of interesting things happen around that time, but, (laughs) but I think I just, I felt, I felt stuck. I felt like a hamster on a hamster wheel. You know, it's like, you can't slow down. You can't, turn down business, like that's your income, you know, and it's like, I had spent my 20s building this business that I was so proud of. And that really did bring me a lot of joy. Um, but not knowing how I could keep going and just not seeing that as a viable option. Um, so it was incredibly scary at first, but I knew that, you know, I had two options, I could completely quit, or I could figure out a way uh, to make the business work for me. Um, and so interestingly enough, at that point, we were a couple of years in to, to already having associate photographers on our team. Um, so what that meant was I was shooting about half of our weddings and we had other photographers shooting about half of the weddings. And how many weddings were you shooting all together at that point with the associates and, and your weddings as well? Probably 20 to 25 a year. So so not a crazy amount. I mean, a lot of people would say that's a very low amount. Um but also doing a lot of family portrait sessions and commercial shoots and, you know, everything else on top of that. And so the associate photography program had been going really well. And I, I just said, okay, let's give this a shot. I'm, I'm actually going to take a year off from shooting weddings myself and just see what happens. I know. (laughs) That's, but, but that, I I mean, the, the, the guts, the, the, intestinal fortitude, if you will, that it took to, to, um, to make that move that, I mean, that's huge, but I, but the motivation was, I guess, powerful enough at that point, like you were at your wits end, you had to do something. And so you were going to make, if you're going to make a move, you might as well make an extreme move, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was scary, like I said, and, and, you know, and you, you feel all sorts of things. And so I, you know, I was imagining just, other people's reactions, you know, and like, well, how could that ever work? And, you know, but how can you call yourself a photographer and like not actually be shooting weddings? You know, there's all these things are going through your brain. But, but yeah, I just said, you know what, I'm going to try this for a year and then reevaluate, you know. Um, And honestly, it because of the wonderful people on my team, um, 
everything went great and my clients were extremely happy and I still had, you know, contact with my clients. I'm still, you know, going through this planning process with them and, and making sure, you know, that they are happy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. Now, what, what was the, you said that at, at that stage, when you decided to take the year off, you already had associate photographers. What was the motivation or impetus in the first place to even have associate photographers? Yeah. So that's actually kind of interesting. So, um, I don't know if this is just a thing in the South or if this is universal, but it seems to me like everybody wants the same wedding dates. And I was, I was just seeing that over and over. And I think in the South it's based around college football a lot. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Maybe to some, but everybody wants the same, the same Saturdays. And so, you know, obviously I could only shoot one. And so I was having to turn people away. And at that point I had, I had two photographers that I worked really close with, you know, they were usually my second shooters and, um, they had businesses of their own. They were absolutely wonderful. And so every time that I wasn't available for a wedding, I would say, Hey, like call these two people. I highly recommend them. And then I would go to my friends and I would say, Hey, did you get this referral? And they would say, no, they never called me. Um, and I always thought that was so strange. And so I, I just started thinking about it and I thought, you know what? I just have this theory that if I say, you know what, I'm not available, but I have these other photographers on my team who are like, I wonder if they would then trust me enough to hire them as opposed to having to, you know, go home, call somebody else, what have you. Um, and as crazy as that sounds, it worked. And cause for whatever reason, and I continue to be amazed, but people see your work online, you know, they sort of feel like they know you. They're, they're very trusting, right. you know, from the beginning. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, they, that was a really interesting switch, but but they would say, yeah, like if, if you, if you recommend them, we trust you, you know? And so that's sort of how that program got started. And, And what would you say was the most difficult part then of, of developing the team of photographers? Because, because these, these individuals are trusting you, obviously you feel the pressure to make sure that they're providing a service that reflects you well or reflects Mm -hmm. on you well. And, um, so I, I, it's, I can imagine it would be difficult to find just the right people to represent your business. What, what would be the most difficult part of that? Do you think? Yeah, it is, you know, it is a lot of pressure in a, in a certain way. I mean, definitely, you know, my, when I named my business a million years ago, you know, it's got my first and last name in it, you know, it's, it's, it's me. So it's definitely my name on the line and, and yeah, you know, I can't stress that to people enough when there is a hesitation. Um, so just to back up, I think one of the hardest parts was actually learning how to kind of communicate that to the client that, you know, no, you're not getting me, but you've, you've never met me for one. <laughs> and, but for two, these, I say this all the time, these photographers are better than me. I'm hiring people. I would be dumb not to. I'm hiring people that are just as qualified or even more qualified than myself. And, um, and, you know, and just stressing that, that I'm going to be with you through this whole process. You know, you're not just getting a photographer on the day of, you're getting, you're getting all of us, you're getting a team and, you know, my name's on the line. I'm going to make sure you're happy. Um, but yeah, and, and as far as finding people 
that I trust photographers. Um, you know, I guess it's an instinct, but it's just paying attention to not only their skill level, but how they treat people. I think that is, um, probably the number one thing in my book. Oh, for sure. So just knowing you can trust them, um, you know, to treat the client as their own, as their own family. Um, you know, that's a really important piece. Yeah. I, I still remember, and I've mentioned this before on the book of podcast, but I still remember when, when shooting, how clients would come up and say, you're such a wonderful photographer. You're such an, you're, you're doing such an awesome job and comment <laughs> on how well we were doing our job. And of course they haven't seen any of our images at this right. point, And yet they're commenting that we're doing such a wonderful job and what they're actually speaking to is right. our ability to be able to engage well with the families. And Absolutely. that makes such a massive impact in the end. And I think it's also a good reminder, like when, when photographers are, are thinking about this idea of outsourcing or delegating something like editing, because they, mm -hmm. they're just dead set on the idea that, that, you know, the nuanced differences between the way they process and somebody else might process actually mm -hmm. matters to the client. Think back to this very example, yes. which is that, that clients are more focused on the experience that you're creating for them than those little tiny details that actually really only matter to you, the photographer, and maybe your photographer friends. Um, they're, exactly. they're much more attuned to the experience that you create for them. And, uh, so I think yeah. this is a really great reminder and, and I'd love to, the fact that you, that you actually made a concerted effort to find photographers th that were better than you, that you could actually say <laughs> that to these clients or potential clients that you're communicating with. How, how wonderful and, and how intelligent of you as a business owner to do just that. And, you know, it reminds me of this, this idea that you hear pretty commonly in the business world, which is that, that these successful entrepreneurs, CEOs or otherwise, they surround themselves with people who are quote better than them. And, um, yeah. I've, I've experienced this even this year or the last year and a half or so and in hiring, uh, individuals for my company photographers edit, um, that I'm finding people that have strengths uh, in particular areas that can outdo me. And it, and I love it. I love mm -hmm. that I can rely on them, uh, to utilize yeah. those strengths to make the company better. And I think that's really, really intelligent as a business owner and considering who you're hiring, um, so I, I would actually like to, to just kind of get, I don't know, to give our, our listeners some, some structure um, around this idea of hiring a team of photographers. If photographers, if our listeners are considering the notion of hiring at least one associate photographer, if not maybe building a team to help either supplement the income or ultimately replace them as the photographer, can you recommend some steps that they should take uh, when it comes to hiring the right photographers for their studio? For me, and I sort of alluded to this, my number one um, personality is everything. And, and that might be surprising. Um, I, I would say personality is more important than skill level in some sense. And yes. that is, that's a direct link to what you just said, because it really is about how you make the client feel. Um, and so, yeah, if, if they do not know how to talk to people, if they don't know how to smile when they're stressed out, you know, weddings are super stressful. You're going to have things go wrong. You, you can't let the client know that, you know, just be accommodating in general. Those are the things that I look for in a person's personality. I would, yeah, I would say personality is a huge one for sure. Absolutely. Well, and, and again, I, even if I think back to my wedding photography career, it, it, I was photographing at the end, I was photographing weddings for as much as $10,000 
per client. Mm-hmm. And if I even look back at the photography that I was providing those clients now, just in hindsight, I, mm-hmm. I, I might even cringe looking at some of that work, you know, <laughs> but the reality was the photography was good enough for these clients. And at the end of the day, if, if myself and my business partner were providing a good experience for these clients, um, that was carrying much of the weight in that experience. And it was going to also make a significant impact on whether or not we get referrals to their friends or to their family to also photograph their weddings or do their family portrait sessions. Um, so personality definitely, I, you know, just like in, in running a photography business, the business side of things is probably a larger, really makes up a larger percentage of whether or not a business is going to be successful in the end, a larger percentage than, than the photographic side. I think personality really does carry much more weight um, in the scheme of things, the way that we engage with our clients or potential clients, the, the experience that we're creating for them through that. Uh, is just so important. So this is a wonderful reminder and a, and a great first step when it comes to to hiring an associate photographer. Take us to the second one, if you will. Sure. Um, so my second one is is communication. How do they communicate with people, um, and not just people? How do they communicate with me? You know, if you're if you're thinking about hiring someone, um, you know, we live in a crazy day and age where you know everybody has their cell phone attached to their hip, and yet. And it's sort of become acceptable to, to not respond to emails promptly and to not always respond to text. And, and I get it, like I get that it can be exhausting, but at the same time, when you have these high end clients that are, you know, really expecting prompt responses, there's no excuses, right? So that's, that's my number two. They have to be prompt to respond to texts, emails, phone calls, no excuses. And that goes for both responding to me and to the client. Oh, I love that. Now, do you, are these associates, are they technically full-time with you or part-time or a mix of the above? No. So they're, uh, they're contractors. So definitely part-time okay. and they're all, they're all running their own successful companies, you know? So okay. it's, yeah. So it's definitely looked on as, um, you know, it's, it's extra income for them. And I, and I've said from day one, I want it to be mutually beneficial. I'm not trying to take away from your business. I'm trying to add to it. I love it. Well, the reason I asked that is just, I'm, I'm considering, you know, we're talking about being prompt and in, in response and communication, both to you and to the client's email mm-hmm. text. I mean, that, that takes time. And it, it's funny how clients, for whatever reason, decide that they're going to email or text at, you know, eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock <laughs> or 10 o'clock at night. And so I was just wondering sure. what the, what the, I guess the, the, um, the scenario, the, the mentality is for these associate photographers. If in this case, they're contract workers, are they responding even at those kind of crazy times? Do you expect that of them? And, and how do you kind of find, or how do they find a balance in all of that? So they aren't totally overwhelmed. Right. And that, I mean, that definitely goes back to me saying how I used to have no boundaries. So, (laughs) so I get it. Like you do have to, you, you do have to have boundaries for yourself. No, I do not expect them to respond to texts late at night or anything like that. Um, but then again, if it's the day before, a wedding and a bride's having a crisis, then maybe you have to make an exception in that case. Does that make sense? Um, so a lot of this is just kind of using common sense, but also just courtesy. Um, you know, yeah, if they text you at eight o'clock at night, the next morning's fine, you know, but don't, um, don't forget, I guess, or don't, you know, wait till, 
five o'clock the next day. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> well, and, and the other thing that always helps with this too is creating expectations, the appropriate expectations for the clients, the potential clients, so that they know hours of business, that they know hours of communication. And like you said, then on top of that, using that common sense, showing some courtesy. Um, if that bride is breaking down and freaking out the night before the <laughs> wedding, going ahead and responding right. is not such a bad idea. It didn't take that much time anyway. So a communication. Right. So that's the, that's the second. And I, you know what I, what's, I find fascinating about this so far, and you've already alluded to it, but <laughs> we haven't talked about photographic skills yet. Exactly. We're talking about the person's ability to, well, first of all, just the person's personality, but then their ability to communicate, which ultimately is tied into their personality. I love the fact that you're focusing on those things over the photography, at least initially. Um, take mm-hmm. us to the third, the, the third step, if you will. Yeah. So the third and final step is, is what you just said is their skill level. And it's, it's number three on purpose because I, as we've said, I do value the other things more. That doesn't mean skill level doesn't have to be amazing. Um, but, um, but yeah, the most obvious one, of course, um, the thing about shooting weddings is you have to be ready for every circumstance. Right. And, you know, I, this is probably just, um, something that annoys me personally, but you know, you (laughs) see a lot of people that say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a natural light photographer. And I'm like, yeah, we all wish we could always shoot in natural light. Right. Right. I mean, that goes without saying, and you can probably get away with that. Um, if you're shooting portraits and I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, diss those people. I get that. Um, but what that sounds like to me is you, you're, you're maybe intimidated by using off camera flash or you've never learned it. Um, so, so yeah, obviously with, with hiring a wedding photographer, they've, they've got to be well-versed in, in every scenario. You know, you've got to be able to shoot outside. You've got to be able to shoot inside. You've got to be able to shoot in low light, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm looking for very highly skilled people Um, but the other part of that and the part that has probably been the most rewarding in this whole process is, you know, everybody has things that they're better at and, and things that they're not as great at. And so one thing we've done as a team is, is, you know, continued education classes. And, and when I have someone who's, who's really, really skilled, but maybe a little intimidated about a certain area, we will work on that together, you know, and, um, because most things, you know, everybody gets better with practice. And so, um, so yeah, that's something we've done together. That's really, really great. Will you work on that with them, uh, like in, in a group or where you work on that with them individually? What does that look like? Um, yeah, it's varied from time to time. We did a while back, we did just a completely group class with everyone just brushing up on our off camera flash. Um, that's cool. Because even in that regard, you know, the, everybody was pretty good at it, so to speak, but there's a million ways to do that. Right. So even just setting up a system of this is how our team does it. And, you know, you can help your second photographer and they can trigger off your life and, you know, just, just kind of going over that. But, but yeah, definitely if there's been individual things, um, you know, recently we had, a client requests, they wanted to do a long exposure with a sparkler at the end of the night. And the photographer had done it a few times, but, you know, was a little nervous about it. And so I said, okay, let's set it up. Let's look at it. Let's test it. Um, you know, and it ended up working out great. That's really cool. Now, would you say that, 
I guess, how do you go about determining the skill level of this photographer before you hire them? Are you simply looking at a portfolio? Do you take them out on a shoot and see how they behave in that shoot? What does that process look like? So, yeah, I do spend a lot of time looking at portfolios um, and also meeting with them in person. But my system has sort of been, they're not going to become an associate without doing quite a bit of work with me ahead of time. So usually what that looks like is doing a lot of second shooting. And and that also helps us know like, okay, are they going to fit in with the personality and the other things, you know? Yeah. And I can also see their, you know, their raw images from the day. So um, I know if there's an area they struggled in and, and we can talk through that and, you know, try to improve in that area. Um, but yeah, that's, that's usually been the system. I'm not going to throw anybody out on their own. Um, you know, not having worked with us for a while. That's really, really great. But this has been, this has been a wonderful conversation on, on multiple levels. I love the example that you have set for both myself and our listeners with regards to proactively creating a business that gives you freedom and flexibility, which is, I mean, that's certainly what the, what the photographer's edit brand is about. And it, and it's something that we talk about a good bit here on the Boca podcast. You're a wonderful example in that. And, and these tips too for, or to, to consider these steps to consider when hiring an associate photographer, a team of photographers, I think this would be a great jump start for those listeners who are considering hiring somebody or hiring a team, um, what they might think about as they begin to go about that process. So I can't thank you enough for making time to do this today, Katie. Um, where, Definitely. whereabouts can our listeners follow your work online? We talked a little bit about Instagram earlier, but, but go ahead and give us your website and, and social media as well, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, um, Katie Snyder.com K A T I E S N Y D E R. That is really more of a blog, but it's definitely all encompassing and you'll see kind of all of our work across the board. Um, and it'll also have my writing as I move forward and that on there. And then yes, Facebook and Instagram is Katie Snyder photography as well. That's perfect. And then as I mentioned earlier, your husband's um, band's website is paperlightsmusic.com. We're going to actually play a bit of that, that track. We're a lot like trees here as we close the conversation out. But again, thank you so much for making time to come on the Boca podcast today. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.